it's tough, but I will fight my way through it. So send hopes and prayers. Stories Podcast, your number one show for everything guitar. Hello, guitar geeks. This is Dan. This is Andy. Hello. And we're on episode three of the Guitar Stories Podcast. How are you, Andy? I'm excellent, thanks. I'm very happy to say that we've made it to three episodes so far. And um, but you're ill. I'm I'm well. I'm healthy. But ladies and gentlemen, Dan is ill, and it may be his last show. Oh yeah, I'm I'm so sick. Uh, it, it's, it's somehow I'm 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 headed to uh, Hamburg and um, somehow I don't know why, but whenever I either am in Hamburg or am I'm about to go to Hamburg, I'm sick. I don't know why. It's just it's cursed. So oh. like Andy said, it's uh, it's tough, but I will fight my way through it. So <laughs> send hopes and prayers, <laughs> please. <laughs> But uh, let's get the most we can out of this episode, then, in case it is your last one. All right, yeah. Well, um, what's new? Do we have a NGD New Guitar Day? Yeah, we both do. I mean, who wants to go first? Oh, gentlemen, please. Okay, then uh, I have become the very proud owner of a Taylor 517E Builder's Edition. And sorry, guys, but that's an acoustic guitar. So first mention of an acoustic guitar on the podcast, I, does it count? I think it does. You may beg to differ. But it is absolutely the most perfect acoustic guitar I've ever laid my hands on and my ears on, most importantly. It's, um, it's not cheap, so there's that. But uh, through the years, I've done a lot of singer-songwriter sort of stuff and always had, I mean, my most... and and treading on difficult ground here but with money spent comes better quality instruments so i've had many guitars acoustic guitars in the sort of 500 pounds 500 euros range that i was mainly using for gigging and it was most important they had a pickup um and i would use them just you know those one or two ballads in the set um and then i was i became a singer songwriter because i ran out of friends to be in bands with and then i sort of upgraded to sort of an Epiphone master built, which is very, very nice, um, but still had its issues. I've been using a Yamaha FGX3 for a while. It was very, very nice. Mm -hmm. Still still had something either missing or some overtones I wasn't that happy with. And then I did some stuff uh, for Tolman in a recording session, and I played this Taylor. And my word, is it a good guitar? It is... There's a few people I know play them. In fact, Phineas, uh, the brother of Billie Eilish, played one on a TV show the other night. And um, I found that out after I bought this guitar because I, I called the guys from Taylor and said, hey, I'm part of the family now. And um, <laughs> yeah, so they, they, uh, Phineas was playing one. It's it's just one of the pinnacles of the guitar world at the moment. And Andy Powers from Taylor is an absolute genius. And... I am somewhat influenced by the fact that I've met him and chatted with him a few times now and wanted to be part of the Taylor family, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, there was an emotional thing, but the, the guitar absolutely delivers. Cool. But it does have a pickup in it, so I can put it through a fuzz pedal, so we're okay. <laughs> and does it does it already have the new bracing? 
Yes, the V bracing. All right. What's what? Did you ever have the chance to AB both? I didn't. All I can tell you is that this one doesn't have any of the undesired overtones that you tend to get from X-braced guitars. Um, and it does well with finger picking. It does well with strumming. It does well when you hit it hard. It can play it soft. And from talking to Andy Andy Powers, that he said that these are the reasons he he did that. He he's right. Uh, it works. Hmm. So it it might be the currently you know until next week the ultimate recording guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but if anyone has any suggestions for a better guitar than the five one seven E, then let me know and I'll go and buy that one instead because I've got thirty <laughs> days returns. <laughs> <laughs> How's the neck shape like? Is it a modern style or is it a it's, blend between traditional or modern? It's a V into a C. It's interesting. Okay. So it's a sort of soft. It's big. It's it's thick, um, which which helps me. Uh, it's kind of between like a fifty-eight Les Paul and and a, and a sort of big old classical guitar. You know, it's not very wide. It's pretty standard. It's not um, it's not a wide fretboard as some companies are offering at the moment, but it is a thick uh, thick neck, which just it just plays well. Uh, it feels really good. Uh, but as I said, it wasn't cheap, but it means that my Gibson R8 is, will be going on reverb and all those other places. So if anyone wants a Gibson R8 at a rather good price, then uh, just let me know. <laughs> so we're already in the promotional segment. Yeah. Dan, <laughs> I've talked for long enough. You had an, an NGD as well. Oh, yeah, I had. Uh, actually, last weekend I was at uh, the headquarter of German metal band Heaven Shall Burn, and we're talking about a couple things coming up in 2020, also about the secret collaboration that we'll probably... Uh, touch base on in a couple of weeks because it's exciting as hell <laughs> and this is <laughs> you can take that literally anyway um so i was there and i was always begging these guys guys whenever there's one of the old mike weichert signature guitars mike's one of the main guitarists at heaven Shepherd, let me know i want to i want to purchase that and luckily they found a return um in the warehouse of the online store where that guitar originally got sold it's got a slight blem at uh, the end of the body, but apart from that, the guitar is perfect. So basically, I was able to get my hands on this guitar. And it's a very special model because it's rather unknown because it was a German exclusive. And like I said, it was it was a, a real signature guitar, MWM10, uh, that was designed with and for Mike Weichert. And it's an S shape. And some of you might, might know that I started playing the guitar on a, my first real Ibanez was an SA160. So I'm very used to the S shape and I like the thin body and the lightweight construction, you know, and that guitar is made of mahogany with a striking maple top on it. And uh, it's got some of those quirky uh, idiosyncrasies uh, that, that Mike is known for. So it's got reverse headstock and this is always great, you know. Reverse headstock is the greatest thing on planet Earth when it comes to guitar design. It's got a EMG8160 active pickup combination, so like classical metal combi. It's got a slightly thicker wizard three neck, so it's not no, it's not one of those very thin kind of shreddy neck. So it's got a little bit more beef to it, which uh, feels great. And now here's the cool part: it's got two different knobs. So it's just got a volume knob, no tone, and it either comes with a red bell style knob or with a Cosmo black tone knob. So you've got both, and you can change. And uh, there's an interesting story behind that uh, because Mike was designing the guitar and he, he wanted to, to build not just a guitar but also some kind of a metaphor. And uh, the guitar itself is supposed to look like the C, hence the quilt maple. And uh, we've got the white EMGs that are supposed to be the 
polar ice caps. And then we've got that small little red knob symbolizing a boat of the uh, nonprofit organization Sea Shepherd. You know, they are taking care of marine protection. Sure. Actually, the interesting fact, because 30 pieces of this uh, guitar got sold through Impericon, which is a big merch store in, in Germany, and they're shipping like worldwide, I guess. And these 30 pieces came with a signed CEO, uh, CEO, COA, <laughs> with a signed CEO, no, with a, with a certificate of authenticity. And they were all hand numbered. So mine is number 14, which is pretty cool. Um, and there were, there was a second run, a second batch of 42 pieces, and they were sold to dealers in Germany. So this makes for a total of 72 guitars. So it's a very, very rare car. And basically, it's also a fact that is wrong in the Ibanez Wiki, yeah? because the Ibanez Wiki states that 90 of this model have been produced, but it's been 72. And who's in charge of that wiki? I don't know. Like, uh, like the masses? It's, uh, oh, okay. I say it's, yeah. it's pub public uh, edited. Yeah, yeah. Everyone can contribute to it. So someone might have posted 90, but uh, yeah, I checked it. It's, in fact, 72. Right. Some, somebody listening now should go in and correct that. 72, everybody. Spoiler alert, I already did that. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Why am I even pretending that you wouldn't have done that already? There you go. Yeah. I guess we're going to be posting photos on Instagram of that because it is rather striking looking. There are some, and I will, I will add a few in the Guitar Stories podcast uh, post for episode three. Uh, mine's just a, a boring old looking acoustic guitar, but it's, it is rather <laughs> nice. But it will, it will probably be better for nice songs and... Uh, Nice melodies instead of chaka 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 chaka. Yeah, but I'm still going to put it through a fuzz peasant pedal, as, as I said. A fuzz, a fuzz peasant. Looking forward to that. Oh, actually, fun fact about Heaven Show Burn. Did you know that they actually acted as a sponsor for a German football club? I did not know that. A band sponsored a German football club? Yeah, for two years, they were the sponsor on the jerseys for um, the German club Karl Zeiss Jena, which is in the east of uh, Germany, close to where I come from. They played in the third German league and... Uh, yeah, so basically they offered that space first. There was the band logo on it. And then they offered the space, I think, to the Wacken Foundation. You know, there's the big Wacken Festival. Mm -hmm. And they also have a foundation. They do summer camps and winter camps uh, with, with kids where they teach them how to play the guitar. Awesome. So something that is, is really great, a really great campaign. And um, yeah, so they were offering that space. And uh, for two seasons, they were sponsoring their home club, which is pretty cool. All right. There was an amazing project going on last week that... Uh, you organized and attended. So can you tell us about that? I can tell you a small amount because we're now we're going out on the 12th. And um, yeah, the 12th. And this was last weekend. So it hasn't aired yet, the actual project. It's a video project and it's uh, for Tillman. But I was in London undertaking a massive musical project involving one of the attractions in London and some music and some musicians and dear friends of mine. And all I can say is that it's the single most adventurous, hard, challenging and risk-taking project I've ever been involved with. And it worked. It, it, until... I'll, I'll talk about this in, on either on my YouTube channel or some future podcast, I hope, but... Um, Basically, until the last three minutes before the project was supposed to start, we didn't know if it was going to work. Wow. And it was a big project. So when, you, when you're really riding things like that, it, it, it was... I had full faith. It was, for anything, it was a, a test of when you have faith in something, some musical project, and you just know it's going to work, 
There's just you don't accept any other opportunity, any eventuality than this is going to be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I truly believe that we put so much positivity into it and the hard work that it couldn't fail. So listening to this, uh, next week we will talk about it, but the, the video is going online this weekend, on, on the weekend of the 14th of February. Yeah. Or maybe a little bit earlier, but next week we, we can talk a little bit more about it. Um, but yeah, my goodness, as a musician, dream project. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, actually, I was putting you a little bit on the spot with that because you were like trying to not give away too much information. So maybe we just move on yeah. and talk about that next week in full length. Yes. Awesome. Well, uh, you said earlier that uh, you're going to sell your R8. I am. For how long have you been playing that guitar? I've only had it about nine months. Oh, wow. It's a beautiful guitar. Um, it's from 2016. It's, say, pretty much standard r8 it plays wonderfully it's got custom buckers it's a little bit aged one of the i think i'm the third owner and one of the previous owners tried to age it and didn't do a terrible job but didn't do the world's best job so i got it a little bit cheaper than it was actually that it should be mm -hmm. so if like me I, i'm i do like i love a guitar to look nice but this was as a player fantastic and still is but I've currently got a Maybach Leicester 59 aged, which is filling my Les Paul needs. Mm -hmm. And I put the R8 in the case to see that if I would desire bringing it out at any time. That's always the test I do for when I when I sell a guitar, is to put it away for a little bit. And if I miss it or need it in the project, then I don't sell it. Mm -hmm. But I've been using a few humbucker guitars and this, this Leicester from Maybach. And, and honestly, the R8 is a better guitar, but I haven't missed it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I, and with my new guitar, the, the reason uh, I'm selling the guitar is to pay for the the Taylor acoustic. I would rather have the Taylor acoustic and the Maybach than just the R8. Mm -hmm. As as a musician, that's a, a much better set of tools than just the Gibson R8. Yeah. So that's that's my justification. No, it expands your palette definitely. So now my big question would be, where are you going to sell it? Do you have like a go-to platform or provider that you usually put your stuff on? Yeah, um, I'm in Austria. So here we have a thing called Wilhaben.at. Ah. So dot at, And I generally put stuff up on there, but I've also been using Facebook and um, I haven't used Reverb to sell anything yet, but I've been buying an awful lot on there. <laughs> okay. So it's probably time I... I put back into that pool hmm. um the thing is though at um with my youtube channel this this may come across as weird but i don't want i don't like the crossover between my personal life and the youtube work thing mm -hmm. so much mm -hmm. i don't mind it so much there is a crossover you can't help that but sort of mixing the two is, is complicated now and again yeah. uh basically because my mum posts photos of me as a little boy which you know no one wants to see that <laughs> So keeping Facebook out of it is um, is probably a, a necessary evil. But we'll see. I'm not against anything. I'm open-minded. But yeah, uh, eBay is always open as well. But I think eBay is a bit sort of passe now. It's it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, you've got the eBay Kleinanzeigen kind of thing, which is true. like Craigslist in the US. True. So this, I think this is working quite well. But like, I think Reverb has really become like the go-to spot for a lot of musicians to sell and, and purchase their gear. But that being said, Dan... There is a new platform on which I could sell this guitar. And I think that's where you were going with this segment. Am I right? <laughs> Absolutely. Smooth transition. Yeah. Yeah, there's a new one. It's called Free Music Tribe, and uh, it's been launched by Behringer. Yes. Have you been on there? 
Mm, I, I just uh, registered just to see how it works and uh, you know how much stuff there is online. And the USP for that platform basically really is that they offer you to buy and sell gear for free. I mean, not the gear for free, but without any kind of additional fees sure. and commission. So that could actually become a direct competitor to the likes of Reverb.com or eBay. And uh, I mean, with a big company like Behringer as, as the main host of that platform, it's, it's really interesting because they have a lot of power and also good reputation, at least in the States. Also considering like the fee is for, I guess for the most people that are selling their gear, they want to make the most money out of that. So if you consider that eBay is taking, I think like 10%, and uh, Reverb is taking like 3.5% plus additional PayPal fees that can add up to quite a sum. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how soon there will be a good population of offers. Because at the moment, I was, I was checking earlier today and uh, they had, if you type in guitar, they had like 44 results, which is not a lot. And uh, also the whole system is almost a little bit like a live beta test at the moment. Because uh, sometimes uh, the platform is so overloaded that the uh, images, they don't load uh, properly. And the sign up, I had to sign up twice because uh, I think the server was probably already at uh, capacity. So they got to work on that. Well, that. That's a good sign, right? That means it's um, people are interested. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot, there was a lot of buzz going on when, when that got announced. I think sure. Ranger, they already announced something with this little te teaser video a couple of weeks ago, and now the platform is live for a couple of days. So there is a lot of buzz, yeah. I wonder what their, their goal is with this. Is it just to spread their name? Because they don't need to make money from an online platform such as this, because that is not their, the reason they're in the business. So maybe they're just, maybe they're just trying to get the name out there and Maybe they're just doing it because they can. You know, that, that, with Behringer, that sometimes seems a thing that they do. And I've not met Uli, but he seems like a guy that is very forward-thinking. And for all the negative stuff that goes out about Behringer, um, from the consumer's point of view, we're doing pretty well out of Behringer. That, like, I, I think that um, we may be doing a synth podcast in the next few years because I think they're going to rise in popularity, and I might mm. even learn how to, to use one. And Behringer are very responsible for for me being interested in since because they're so cheap mm. now if behringer are now having this online platform through which i could sell my stuff then my personal connection with that company is going to grow mm -hmm. and just because you know people like what people like yeah and i hate that ebay was taking so much money even though you know that they spend a lot of money there's no way i could say right i want to sell this guitar and I'm going to put, I want to put it on my website and I want my website to get a thousand hits. It's not going to happen. So, and to do that costs money. And that's what eBay was doing. Then Reverb did it slightly differently and it costs money to, to have all the servers up and to promote. And of course they make money. That's what a business does. But as a, as an end user, as a seller, then it's, it's great. But Behringer, I don't know. I, I, I don't see how it can fail if it's free because musicians love free stuff because you know stuff's expensive mm -hmm. well but also hosting such a platform is expensive so if they don't reach like a certain number of users to have those kind of network effects that there are enough users to enough users that list interesting stuff um, i mean they're competing reverb they're competing with i think 12 million users individual users per month on reverb so that is quite a number and which also causes that there's a lot of interesting offers, used stuff, new stuff. Mm -hmm. 
dealers are able to, I think, to put the warehouse into the system so you always see what's on stock, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, a bit. Well, let's do, let's do a test then, Dan. I will put my Gibson R8 on there tomorrow morning. And then when we record next week's podcast, I can let you know what the experience was like and if the guitar is still there or, or if someone scabbed me out of a few thousand euros. <laughs> but I will put the guitar on there as a test and, um, and see what happens. That sounds good. Just be careful because there are still a few hiccups. For example, at the moment, you have to put the US dollar price in there. So, I mean, you could put mm -hmm. it on the, in the description. You could put like a euro price in there. Right. But the system only knows uh, dollars as a currency. And also at the moment, there's just like a, a single location selector, which is country specific. So if you say, okay, I want to buy a guitar in Germany, or I want to buy a guitar in Austria, you might want to put the listing rather into a group where more users are seeing that to, to make it a German product or something like that. I'm going to guess that I may be the first <laughs> Austria-based user. Yeah. If not first, then certainly in the top five. I think there's, there's not many of us. Yeah. Yeah, that's very likely. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, unfortunately, there are no regions. They haven't like caught up on the European spirit so far. At least Europe mainland. But it's very, it's very Behringer to just get it out there and get it. You know, oh, we'll, we'll release a firmware update and, and fix that later. <laughs> it's a live beta test, like I say. But I like the I like the idea of competition. I mean, Reverb Reverb just got bought by Etsy a couple of months ago, so mm -hmm. people are not really knowing at the moment where are they headed to. If there would be any changes so maybe that was also a reason why why Uli decided Uli Behringer decided okay let's give it a shot I mean it provides them data user data sales data True. they can check prices True. and uh, data is the the modern currency nowadays so yeah I hadn't even considered that yeah knowledge is power man absolutely plus they have all the 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 end user contact to them so they can send out mailings etc so yeah. i wonder if that covers all the costs like the costs they would have to spend to get a person's email address and, and therefore people in the music industry i wonder if it's cheaper to run a, a site like that or do out advertising campaigns that would acquire people's information that's that's an interesting topic mm -hmm. or a really boring one i'm not sure yet i'll put some thought into that. <laughs> well if you own if, at least if you own the platform then you can assure that the data has some quality level whereas if you purchase data from third parties that can be 50 percent bs you never know true so yeah. it'll be interesting to see I, I i have no clue how much how manpower and how much workforce goes into hosting such a platform really i i, I can't i can't imagine that but still i think it's interesting and i really like the idea that there's now a little bit more competition for ebay and reverb yeah yeah competition is good for the end user yeah for sure and also, if there, there, like now, there are not many uh, listings so far, but uh, might be interesting also to check every now and then. Maybe there are a couple of bargains to be made. You know, never that's know. exactly why I looked on there straight. When I looked on there, there were only there were less than a hundred listings in total when I looked. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I didn't have much time at the time. Yeah. Um, speaking of competition and and things changing hands and stuff. Felix and Gibson, check that link out. <laughs> You're the master. <laughs> to Thanks. Cheesy link from one topic to another. Yeah, it's, awesome. it's flow. It's flawless. Yeah. So, Mr. Phil X, you've met Phil before, right? I have not. I have not met Phil yet. I've missed out on two or three occasions, and it just didn't happen. But um, he seems like a wonderfully nice and pleasant chap who's a bit crazy. So. Yeah, yeah. He's a very switched-on guy. Like you, you can. Uh, 
who's not just smart but also can flick between being the rock star and being like a the nice dude you can have a nice chat with so no he seems he seems awesome and there's there's no questioning his playing he he plays like a well words that i won't use on the on the podcast but he plays very well <laughs> oh yeah and he's doing stuff with bon jovi and he's on stage mm. constantly mm. i think he joined bon jovi 2016 and from there it just blew up he's yeah. got the side project the drills or maybe the main project however you would consider that okay and uh, yeah he's a nice chap but it was interesting to see him like jumping boats from from warwick to gibson because he had such a lengthy run with warwick and was invited to a couple events and uh, the whole collaboration culminated in having his own warwick or famous uh, philex signature model which was based on the design of i think the jack bruce base kind of sg-esque oh really i didn't know that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. was this the the green one well several like black silver Okay, I only ever saw the green, well, mainly saw the green, but mm. that's the one that stuck in my head. Yeah, the, it, it even had a, a wider headstock because he requested to have like a baseball bat style neck and a, a massive, a massive headstock. So nice. They came up with a new, a new design, slightly, slightly altered design for it. Yeah, and it was I don't know if it sold well, but at least it was a, a pleasing uh, alternative to the classical SG style. Yeah, always like that. Yeah. And it was so quirky because he was using those guitars and uh, he had like his signature arcane pickup in the bridge position and in the neck position um, he would always remove the the, uh, the pickup and put like a small action figure in there. <laughs> I've actually, I think it was like a Lego figure or something because yeah, I've, I've started collecting little Lego figures and I've been considering doing the same myself. <laughs> but then I read an article where a guitar player broke his finger by removing the neck pickup and getting his finger caught in the cavity and playing, and it's almost ripped his finger off. Ooh, shit. So I don't think I'm going to do that. No Lego man will, will require me to break my finger. <coughs> yeah, oh, so, but, but Phil, Phil Gibson, nothing, has anything been released yet? Like, Just like any... the official statement, I think um, they announced that he's now, and this is what I find interesting, a Gibson ambassador. They they didn't call him like a gibson artist they called him a gibson ambassador yes and i i've read that first when they announced slash to become a gibson ambassador so i don't know exactly what does it mean carrying the gibson flag on stage i don't if it doesn't mean anything it just means they've made up another new word you know they've they've already claimed the word authentic which still annoys me but yeah to claim now an ambassador i know gibson are very good with their branding at the moment it's, it's kind of the main thing mm -hmm. uh, without going to too much into detail that certain other podcasts have recently and uh, greetings to Henning but yeah um, whatever you think of, of the Gibson situation at the moment Phil X joining them is is big news but he's not his name's not too big Dan it's like he's still accessible whereas Slash is out of this world rock god Phil X feels like one of us you know one of us just lads playing the guitar and having a good old rock and roll time yeah, and actually he just got scheduled for a couple of clinics in the UK, I think in May. So he's probably one of the brand ambassadors that are actually sent out to dealers and to events to represent the brand, whereas Slash you could probably never afford. Of course. That's what it'll be then, yeah. So people that actually go out like like people like Jan Majura need to do for you on Ibanez. Uh, Ibanez, sorry. That's cool. Absolutely. And what was interesting is that uh, he was quoted with... Uh, I uh, was sitting down with the luthiers at Gibson and throwing around ideas for a signature guitar. So it's definitely also in the making for Phil X. Well, the, the 
undisclosed rumours were that he wasn't getting exactly what he wanted at Warwick Framus. I think the price point was a big issue because Warwick Framus, they, they have the German production and then they have the overseas productions called the Dragon series. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a Chinese-made XG model of the Philex mm-hmm. signature that clocked in around 800 bucks. But um, I don't know if that was the price point he was he was aiming at, or if he wanted to even to go lower. And maybe now with Epiphone, they can hit the I don't know four ninety nine price tag to make it even more accessible to, for all the the younger rock stars that want to be the next Phil X. I don't know. Epiphones are not really around that price point anymore, as far as I know. Only the mass produced, like the the Les Paul standards, and even there, mm-hmm. five hundred. So, but he's doing the one pickup thing, so that automatically um, reduces cost. Yeah, I don't know where he's going from there. Maybe, like you said, it will do just one pickup and maybe also open poor finish or something like that that reduces costs sometimes. Yeah, but also it means if, if anyone is in the market for one of the old uh, Framus uh, Phil X signature guitars, you better check Reverb and uh, Music Tribe and all those websites right now to get your hands on one of these <laughs> guitars. Yeah, This podcast is just one cyclical link of interlinking t- topics. Somehow, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Episode three and we're nailing it. Yeah. Well, and we also have a couple interesting insights into uh, one activity at NAM, which was the Steve Vai press conference, right? Mm-hmm. So we're both there listening to Steve explaining all the details about his Pia guitar. Waiting, me thinking, I don't know what I should be doing at this point. Thinking, I'm a fraud, <laughs> I'm a hack. I'll just stand here and hold this microphone until he turns up. The camera guy <laughs> asking me, what do we do? Me saying, I don't know, just follow my lead. Watch what, watch what everybody else is doing and, and do that. <laughs> How's that called? Imposter syndrome? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was a little bit surreal, especially because everything was set up and we were sitting there for 40 minutes waiting for the master to arrive. And then when he came, it was, uh, I don't know, it was kind of unspectacular in, in terms of how it was set up. But yeah. as soon as he's standing in front of you, it's just that X factor. It's just that magic that he has. You know, he smiles at you and he, he talks about the guitar with so much enthusiasm that there's just no doubts left at all. I think I mentioned before that I learned a lot just from those few minutes standing somewhere near Steve Vai. Yeah. <laughs> Watching a, a true master and a true legend of, of the guitar do what he does. Yeah. It was, it was an absolute joy. And I'm not really, honestly, musically um, a fan. I, of course, appreciate him as a player. I like some of what he does, but I certainly wouldn't choose his album to put on if I was going to listen to some music. Uh, mm. it would, it, for me, it was, it's more of an exercise, you know, like, oh, that's interesting. Let's sit down and, and play along. Well, not play along, but certainly get one of those notes right. And uh, But <laughs> that sort of thing, like meeting the people, that actually makes me want to, to listen to the music. So I have been. And uh, it's been an interesting journey so far. Mm. Well, we're happy to bring you on the podcast, the whole press conference and everything that Steve said. So, um, yeah, check that out. That'll be right after we close the podcast for today. Is there anything left, Andy, that we didn't tackle so far? No, man. As I said, I had a busy, glorious week. and I'm looking forward to next week when I can share more news about that. Um, and also, I've got my new guitar, so, you know, I don't have much time with her yet. So she needs to get out of the kit. Why is it a she? Why have I just called you a she? It. It does not have a name, and it will not need a name. It is a guitar. Do you do you give guitars names? No. I named one guitar once. It was called Jenny, and I thought, I don't know why. And that was it. All right. It was, it was a horrible Tanglewood sort of ovation copy. It was nasty. It was horrible. <laughs> I don't know. 
Never did. Never only did it once, and it, you know it's not for me. Yeah. Same. How about here. you? Do you yeah. name? You don't. You no, don't same, name guitars. Same here. Maybe maybe after the color like Blackie or you know Frank's AZ, Frank my colleague at uh, Ibanez headquarters. He picked an AZ in a beautiful hazy rose metallic color, and we just call her Hazy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm yeah. stuff like that. But... I just because I'm quite geeky, I just call it by the model name. Yeah. Unless of course I start getting more Ibanezes because I haven't got time to uh, to start naming all the guitars after the Wi-Fi codes that you give them. <laughs> it's getting better. <laughs> it is. It is. Well done. <laughs> all right. Well then, let's call it a day. It was a pleasure, and uh, thanks for listening. You all have a great week. Before we end, we have one massive piece of news that we ha- that I haven't mentioned yet, and the news is that Dan is not wearing his 80s headphones today. He has got some modern-style, over-the-ear studio headphones. So those may be disappointed, but Dan's back in 2020. Thanks for mentioning that. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, guys, we're out. Thanks so much. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you guys for coming. And... Uh... You're probably interested in uh, anything new at NAM, which is always nice. And uh, I've been coming to NAM now for, I don't know, 35 years, something like that. And every now, as the years went on, I've had some great opportunities to work with various companies. And they make anything I want. It's amazing. It's great. And uh, each year, we always try to up the ante and develop and evolve what we're doing into something, I don't know, newer and newer. And I was, we, we, we just like nailed it 35 years ago when we introduced the Gem. The Gem was a, a very peculiar guitar when it came out. I, I mean, if you can imagine, if you're sort of like a, you know, a respectable company like Hoshino, and some crazy 25-year-old pseudo-rock star comes along and says, yeah, you can make me a guitar, but it has to be fluorescent colors, and I'm going to put a monkey grip handle in it. You know? So they were scratching their head wondering, what is this guy out of his mind? <laughs> and, uh, but it was a fine instrument. You know, I, I had built the gem around my idiosyncrasies as a player. And Hoshino just delivered it to the to the T. And all through the years, 35 years of, of just incredible success. I may not be able to have a hit record, but I can have a hit guitar. <laughs> and that's nice. And it's been really nice. And through the years, it's just been amazing to see the support of this instrument and the RG, which is basically a you know sister guitar and uh, phenomenal success. And I always kind of felt like I wanted to evolve the instrument a bit, not just aesthetically, because every year we would introduce something differently aesthetically, but, uh, but actually give it a little bit of a different shape. So I worked up the courage, because it's a little bit of a risky move, you know, but I didn't see it that way, because when, when the creative urge kicks in, all that stuff goes away. What will people think of this? What, what about this and what about that? And, and sure, those concerns, it's kind of like when you make music, you know? If you're focused on what the concerns are gonna be, you're dead in the water. Because then you're trying to please everybody and it just never works, you know what I mean? That never works. So you, I've discovered 
that you have to please yourself first. That sounds selfish, but you know what? It is. <laughs> and who cares? Because if you, it, it, when you please yourself, you win twice. The, the first way is you're pleasing yourself. You're doing something, either you're writing a piece of music or you're designing something that feels like you. You know, it feels like this, it's like your secret, so to speak. And then you, you, when you do that, your authenticity flows into what you do. And many of you know that, you know. And, and when that happens, uh, the way you win the second time is the right audience for that thing, whether it's a piece of music or a guitar, will come to it. And it's the right audience for you. And in my career, you know, my audience, it's never been the, the big pop audience, which is fine. I, I, as much as I love that, it just, I just never could bring myself there. But I've always brought myself someplace that always felt like a comfortable place, and it works for that audience. And when it came time to start evolving this guitar, I was so excited about it, and I just thought, you know, what is it that, what would be the evolution? You know, how would I, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? And that uh, is even an evolution of the gem for me, because a gem, as, as beautiful, you know, uh, successful of an instrument is, it's a 25-year-old Steve Vai when I see it, you know. And it was time for a 60-year-old Steve Vai. And uh, so the, obviously the first thing that we changed was the grip. And I don't even know if you call it a grip. I mean, you can still grip it. But there will never be a grip as practical as the monkey grip on the jam. I defy anybody to create one of those. <laughs> but, uh, but this is still, um, it's, it was more for the aesthetic. And, and let me tell you how we, I lamented over what this was going to be. We tried various things, and luckily for me, Hoshina was just filled with all these very creative people who are very eager to up, raise that bar. And they started coming up with designs, and then you know we started playing with them, and eventually this uh, petal design, P-E-T-A-L, like a flower petal, uh, sort of started to evolve. And it, I, I really, there was an attraction, and you wouldn't believe how many we were looking at, different weird, you know, and I'm like, um, no. Well, that, you know, you kind of fine-tune fine it. And then finally, when, when we decided on the two pedal grips, you would not believe how long it took me to, because I had like a little il illustration, you know, they sent me the illustration program so I could move these things around on the deck. Months and months of sitting there and just, and then, okay, I think I got it. Can you bake this? And I get a prototype and I look at it and say, and it just might have been just like just a little bit, you know, until finally I was just sitting and tweaking it and tweaking it, driving everybody mad. And then it, I, it, it, it was like, it's like it was always there. And you just had to find, you know, that feeling. So that's how I felt when these lined up finally. And then we thought, you know, let's get artistic with it. Why not? You know, there's so many great guitars out there. And most, most of the time when people are making guitars, they're, they're looking for the aggressive market, the really sleek, cool. And there's some great ones. You know, there's really some, some great ones out there. But I've always had a tendency to offer a different flavor. And this is nice because diversity is everything, right? 
And uh, as a result, the, the guitar, uh, the, the, the Pia started to take on more of an artistic shape as opposed to like a badass metal shape, you know? And uh, I don't know, that's just the way what came out. I'm not, I don't fight, I just let it come out because Steve I gets the fuck out of the way, <laughs> you know? And uh, so we started getting a little more artistic with it. And there's a couple little things like moving the volume pot down just a little bit because for 35 years, I just kept hitting it a little bit. I said, I always just, I just write that volume down just a hair. You know? So it's just a hair down, it's perfect. And I have this great device on my jams, uh, my personal jams, that uh, it's a uh, low pass filter. I'm sorry, high pass filter, low cut filter. Because when you bring the volume down, the, the bottom end has a tendency to just like saturate the tone when you want a nice clean tone. And this kicks in a capacitor and dumps out everything below like what, 150 or something? And, and it just cleans up the tone beautifully. And then, of course, because of my relationship with Larry DeBarzio, we have the, I have this great opportunity to develop all of these cool pickups and things like that. So we decided to change the uh, sound of the Evolution pickup and we made the Utopia. And uh, what the way I crafted that was I put a little more a little more smoother top end, a little tighter bottom end, and uh, just a, t a tad more output. Uh, and I went through 30 or 40 different prototypes to find these pickups. And uh, the inlay, it's always fun to play with a new inlay. Could be a little maddening at times, you know. Uh, we went through some different designs, and Ibanez started sending me tons. And then uh, I wanted to kind of create this because we have these three color models that are limited just for this year. So the inlay on these three actually pick up the color of each guitar, and they're the same inlay, the Met. But the inlay itself is different. It's not the Tree of Life, and. The dimensions, these dimensions to these uh, yin and yang signs, we kind of subtly incorporated them into various aspects of the guitar to get, just to get like that, sort of like a synergy effect, you know? And so you can see it picked up in all of these. You can see it picked up in these pickup covers that were designed by Mike Mesker. They're, they're just gorgeous. If you get a chance, take a close look at these. I mean, it's glitzy, but that's what it is. <laughs> And, uh, but they're just gorgeous, man. I mean, amazing. And uh, we wanted to, I wanted to kind of smooth out the body a bit. I love the gem, but it's, it's a little, it's got the hard edges. So these are, all the edges are beveled a bit. We beveled this back a bit, which is kind of nicer to the feel when you sit. And also beveled this a bit. This is the first time I've ever done anything like this. I didn't realize it was gonna feel so nice. I would have done it 35 years ago. And uh, something very simple, you know, magnets to hold the backplate on. You know, I mean, why didn't they ever think of this before? I mean, this guitar, you don't need to take it off. I need to take it off to change the strings because I usually have a trim setter. But a lot of guitars that have backplates have screws. And now you'll start seeing them use magnets, perhaps, because it's a good idea. And all good ideas should be shared. Only the ego believes it can own an idea. All right, yeah, um, did I miss anything? And there it is, and this is the PIA, and it stands for Paradise and Art, and why did I call it the PIA? Because 
It's a very artistic guitar. It's, it's kind of hard, you know? And uh, it feels like paradise to me. <laughs> and also, it's uh, the name of my wife that I've been with for 40 years. <laughs> so, these guitars will probably be around perhaps long after us, but uh, I cannot be more pleased with the response so far from the fans, from, from the people who have seen it, and, uh, from, and, and my appreciation to all of you guys for being interested here and being here today. Any questions? Yes. Um, how did you make sure that you got it right the first time? I didn't. You you don't know these things. You ever do you make records? You ever you ever make a you ever make a CD? It sounds silly compared to what you play. It doesn't matter. But you ever notice how you you record a CD and as you're doing it, you you know that okay, this is what this, I'm doing the best I can. This sounds right to me, and then. You, once the once it's actually out on a CD and you've had it for like a year and you're listening to it, you okay, I see. And you want to there's certain things you want to tweak, and you tweak them on your next record. So, and that's the way it's been with the gem. So this guitar uh, might be might uh, I gotta I gotta you never really know until you take it to the battlefield when you get it on on a on a tour, not just one stage but like a whole tour. And then you start feeling it, you, you, you know what I mean? You start, because there's things I just, you, I can play it in my bedroom forever, uh, but until I get it on the stage, you, you just don't know. So yes, it will go through alterations, they always do. And, and one thing I, I mentioned too, the, the, we don't plan on discontinuing the jam. I mean, that's continuing to evolve too, and they'll, they'll, they'll evolve hand in hand as long as people are interested. 